You, you could trace it back to Three Mile Island. After mm -hmm. that disaster, mm -hmm. the federal government greatly enhanced the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and greatly enhanced how nuclear power plants prepare for emergencies. They realized that, uh, like, like a lot of government agencies, they had to do take on practices more like the military, where you continuously train and drill mm -hmm. on being prepared for emergencies. And they have to be prepared for a lot of things. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join your hosts, Michael and Jenna, as they discuss all things ORAU through interviews with our experts who provide innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, how we're impacting an ever-changing world, and our commitment to our community. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Well, welcome to another episode of Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Jenna Harpenau and I are talking today to Don Hanlon about something called Exercise Builder Nuclear. Don, welcome to Further Together. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about who you are before we jump into all things EBN. Who I am. Okay, I don't want to make this uh, a boring recap of my career, so I'll tell you a couple of interesting stories okay. about how I got started. Uh, my first job right out of college was at Oak Ridge National Lab, and I was a student researcher. And to my utter shock and surprise, they gave me a computer to, uh, with the directive to learn how to use it. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm going to date myself, <laughs> but in those days, uh, personal computers were in their infancy. Okay. And not when you walked around an office building, you didn't see very many people who had one. The, the sound of uh, typewriter snapping was a very continuous and steady sound when you walked around offices. The dings and the... Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so... I could not believe my good fortune. I really had a lot of fun with it. But since I was a student worker, I was at the bottom of the food chain, so to speak. So I got plenty of mundane tasks as well. And one that I really detested was uh, writing up purchase requisitions. <laughs> the, the program I was in, they did a lot of purchasing for their clients. Okay. And they had to be typed on, on purchase requisitions requisition forms. In triplicate, probably with it, carbons. Right. And, and, okay. and you never got them right the first time. You always had to redo them. <laughs> it was painstaking. And I, I tried to get through it as quickly as possible, but uh, so I could get back to playing with my computer. Sure. But uh, it, it took too much of my day. I remember one gentleman who used to chuckle as he dropped a stack of them on my desk. <laughs> so one day it occurred to me that I could write a program that mimicked those purchase requisition forms, which I did. And the first day I went live with it was a day that that gentleman came and dropped a huge one on my desk. Mm -hmm. 20 minutes later, I showed up in his office for his signature on the form. And he said, how in the world did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I learned the power of computer automation okay. and how it would enhance jobs. So uh, I started getting programming tasks in, in my department and eventually went to work for the Software Development Institute at the University of Tennessee. Okay. And that job was interesting because they farmed me out to all kinds of different environments, uh, really diverse jobs. I, I worked once 
in the city of Oak Ridge for a scientific unit that was doing soil and water samples. I did a two-year stint developing an application for the Atlanta Police Department during the 1996 Olympics. Okay. Oh, wow. I worked uh, jobs at all three plants uh, during the course of those years. And uh, then I went to work for a company that provided software to big financial firms. Okay. And it analyzed their loan portfolios to see how well they were doing in their fair lending. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to get a little bit of exposure to the business side of it. And I discovered I liked that even more than I liked writing code. Mm -hmm. So I was given the opportunity to expand more into that. And I decided that I would go back to school and get a business degree, which I did. And I think that's how I got the job here at ORU okay. uh, because uh, the Emergency Management Laboratory here was looking for someone who could not only manage a software product, but mm -hmm. go out and sell it and, yeah. and turn it into a business. So uh, you guys probably know it's uh, uh, getting an interview here is even a huge success. <laughs> and, uh, I had exactly. friends who were very envious. Uh, yeah. Some of them would say, I've been trying for years to get an interview at ORU. <laughs> so. Well, good. We're glad and to have you. That's right. So here you are, and ultimately you're, you put both sides of the programming and the, the selling the software together with a product that, that we call Exercise Builder Nuclear. That's correct. So tell us about what Exercise Builder Nuclear is. It was, you, you could trace it back to Three Mile Island after mm -hmm. that disaster. Mm -hmm. The federal government greatly enhanced the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and greatly enhanced how nuclear power plants prepare for emergencies. They realized that, uh, like, like a lot of government agencies, they had to do take on practices more like the military, where you continuously train and drill mm -hmm. on being prepared for emergencies. And they have to be prepared for a lot of things. Uh, natural disasters like earthquakes or flooding or storms, uh, mechanical failures within the plant that can have disastrous results, uh, terrorist attacks, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So they train and, and drill continuously on all of those fronts to try to be prepared. And they have to record the results of, uh, of various aspects how well they're meeting their objectives, mm -hmm. have they gone through the proper steps, did they have success in those steps. They have to report all of that to the NRC. And until Exercise Builder Nuclear came along, it was a very paper-based and um, scattered effort. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they would have files on various computers and when the NRC asked for some information, they had difficulty locating Scramble. it. Mm -hmm. I'm so, imagining like a five-inch binder. Of like. <laughs> yeah, I, I have examples of those in yeah. my Paper. office. Yeah. So they did use them. Okay. And it, it was also laborious when they were trying to uh, control uh, an emergency exercise. So they, need auto, they needed automation for that as well. Okay. I imagine lessons learned were hard to capture and share in that process, right. paper-based process right. as well. So maybe, you know, if one air, one plant learned something, it was hard to share those lessons with another and, you know, try to keep the industry up to, up to speed. Up to speed so. yeah. yeah, now with uh, Exercise Builder Nuclear, or, or as we often call it for short, EBN, mm -hmm. right. they can easily see lessons learned from one drill to another. 
And, and they can also print out all of the lessons learned so they have them right there together. Okay, great. That's great. So Exercise Builder Nuclear is an, currently an online platform, and I know it's migrating to more of an app-based program, right, where um, facilities can track the information for drills and preparedness and all of those things, right? Yeah, how that came about is kind of interesting. They they typically used EBN in the planning process. Okay. And then after the drill was over with, they would do post-exercise tasks with it where they would evaluate how well they did. And every year in the month of January, we hold a user's meeting. And, mm -hmm. and users from all of the sites in, in each of our companies will come together and they give us our marching orders for the upcoming year, things that they want to see happen. And two years ago, they talked about having a mobile app to help them during the exercise. Mm -hmm. They were starting to open up EBN on uh, Apple iPads, but it's not really designed for that, so it's right. a little bit cumbersome to use. And they said, if we had an app that was more focused on the tasks that we do during the exercise, that would be a lot better. So we started, uh, I got a lot of help from ITS, a lot of support from them, and we started uh, working through this technology, and we had a, it was a huge learning experience for us. We had to learn how to migrate it to all three major platforms, Apple, right. mm -hmm. Google's Android, and Microsoft Windows. Right. Mm -hmm. So. That's fantastic. So it sounds like what started as kind of a pre and post um, data collection software is now a full service. I mean, they can use it to set up and a, an exercise, they can use it during an exercise and then to capture lessons learned and shared with that, share information with the NRC and possibly other plants afterwards. So from beginning to end, EBN is, is their go-to. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how it has evolved that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you, you mentioned your January meeting. Um, having that meeting with your stakeholders and with your partners, um, has been a huge part of the success and obviously how it how it has changed but it's becoming something of kind of the inter industry norm i mean we've right. got 53 percent of if i remember that number correctly of the industry using this tool that was created here at orau so um talk a little bit about that just the success of yeah, back, back in and I also know it wasn't always that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it got off to a, a little bit of a slow start. It, it took us, uh, we started working on it, uh, the, the basic concept in 2011. Okay. And then in 2013, 2012 and 2013, we were busy building the application. And we launched in November 2013. We immediately got our first customer and acquired two more within the next two years, but we realized that we were going to have to rebuild it. Okay. So in 2015, we took all of our lessons learned from the first application, which was done by a subcontractor, mm -hmm. and that was one of the problems. We, we didn't have the ITS capabilities uh, or the resources available in the beginning, so okay. they helped us launch. But when we rebuilt it with ITS resources, we did a much better job and, and we took advantage of the lessons learned. And it was right about that time one of the clients said, you should hold a, a, a meeting and get all of the uh, 
different users together from the different companies. And the reason he said that is because of, of something that he shared with me during that meeting uh, that has become a crucial part of EBN. And that is that the NRC requires nuclear power plants to report on emergency exercise drilling data across an eight-year cycle. Okay. So they have a long list of requirements that they have to accomplish in that eight years. And this client was telling me they that we not only have all of that information in EBN, but it would take a, a little bit of programming, but if we could output it in the format the NRC needs to report across that year cycle, that would be a huge mm -hmm. addition to EBN. Sure. And I said, well, I, I don't know if I can get everybody together on short notice. And he said, no, trust me, they'll come. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they did. And it became a thing where they wanted to do it every year after that. So every year in January, uh, our first meeting was, I think, five people. Okay. And this past year, uh, we had 25 attendees from 10 nuclear power plants. Oh. And another interesting thing about it is uh, companies that are thinking about coming on board with EBN have been sending representatives to this That's meeting. Fantastic. That's great. So here's success stories, here's right. the positives, mm -hmm. and the fact that you guys really care enough to to get all of your customers together every year and hear maybe how you can do better or, mm -hmm. or what they're needing as as times change. So that's fantastic. And sort of be part of how the product evolves mm -hmm. over time, really from the get go. Like if I signed on. If I were a customer and I signed on this year, then I'm part of the evolution, you know, going forward. So right. that is really exciting. Mm -hmm. You just had a meeting with FEMA and the NRC um, for their uh, JIS workshop. Talk a little bit about, I know it's a different subject, a little bit from EBN, but um, I know that was an important meeting for you. Talk about that meeting and the importance of it and, and why why we hosted that particular meeting. Okay, let me give you a little background on what the meeting was all about. Uh, a, a lot of government agencies and corporations use what they call joint information centers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They call them JICs for mm -hmm. short. Right. Uh, ORU has uh, had a lot of involvement with managing JICs. And JICs are typically a brick and mortar physical location. It's a, usually a building that's filled with a lot of media technology. Right. And during an emergency or some sort of crisis, it's where these agencies formulate their communications with the public and the media. It's where they uh, determine what their messaging is going to be and then the source for how they, how they uh, communicate with uh, the rest of the world. A joint information system not only includes the JIC, but it's the entirety of the whole enterprise of managing communications during a crisis. It involves all of the stakeholders, the processes, mm -hmm. the, uh, the messaging that they're going to encapsulate. And one big criticism of the nuclear power industry that it applies to itself is that it has focused too much on JICs, okay. joint information centers, the physical locations, mm -hmm at the expense of the joint information system okay. that does a better job of managing the whole process. 
So the NRC and FEMA and the Nuclear Energy Institute got together and they wanted to sponsor workshops around the country. And they worked with Argonne National Laboratory to manage this whole process. Okay. And ORU's Pollard Auditorium was selected as the for the second meeting that they okay. had. So representatives from nuclear power plants and from their partner agencies like local uh, EMAs, the Mercy Management Associations, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, state and local governments all came. There were 54 attendees, I think, at this one. And Argonne was telling me that uh, they had to turn away a lot of people, that they're, get, they're getting such a great response on these workshops that they, they're, they're getting more respondents than they have room for. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that they'll look wow. at extending this. Yeah. Right. Uh, the one that was held here was on February the 5th and 6th okay. at, in Pollard Room 240 and 242, and it, it was packed. And they allowed me, since I helped organize it, to sit in the meeting, and I even uh, gave a little short demo of VBN mm -hmm. in case awesome. anyone was interested. Right. Yeah. But I was completely fascinated by what I saw during that meeting. There was a lot of teaching from FEMA and NRC about joint information systems and how you utilize one to the fullest capability. But the interesting thing was the interaction between these attendees. There was such a sense of camaraderie and sharing. Uh, the, the way they discussed things, there were occasional disagreements, but they were always uh, uh, couched in a learning format. Okay. And it, it made me feel really inspired at how dedicated and hard they work to carry out their mission, which is protecting the public and the environment, right. and how much they work together. And, and um, I, I know everyone's busy, but I, I was sitting there reflecting that I'm the only one at ORU who's watch, watching this fascinating scene, and I, I would have loved it if more people could have I mean, we couldn't have fit very many <laughs> into the room, but uh, I would have loved it if more people could see what was going on there. Sure. That sounds like a great meeting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know we as communications professionals, you know, we're crisis trained and we talk about chicks and, you know, yeah. where we would have to go in the event of um, a crisis here or, or in Oak Ridge. But um, to know that how well everyone works together. I think is really exciting, and I, I certainly would have been fascinated to, <laughs> yeah, to be in the room to see that. So, um, Don, is there anything we want to cover that we haven't talked about? One thing that I really wanted to talk about briefly is why I think EBN has succeeded. Okay. We, we have 10 client companies now. We represent more than half of the nuclear sites in the country. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of factors. It, it goes down to the excellence of our ITS department um, and, and their processes, uh, the support we get from our management. But if I had to point to one single thing, I would have to say that it's customer service. Mm -hmm. I often get positive comments from the clients about how much support they get from ORU. And I think it's one of the reasons why they uh, ask us to expand into other areas. And I would have to say that customer service is a big part of ORU's culture. Mm -hmm. You probably know that. It, they, they train us on it in, in their right. quality systems. Mm -hmm. But right. you'd be surprised how many organizations out there that produce software, they do a terrific job at everything else, and they 
falter in that area. And when you focus on customer service, I think it really uh, puts you on the path to success. Mm-hmm. So it, it opens up a bright future, I think, for EBM moving forward. That's great. That is great. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing what that future looks like. Yeah, yeah maybe a future um, podcast we'll yeah, talk absolutely. about. Hopefully next time we, yeah, we can have you We talk to a customer. Back. We'd love to have a customer maybe come on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If, if they're game. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to how they're putting it into practice, um, you know, it's, it's a great product. Obviously, it's had tremendous success. And mm-hmm. so it would, be, it would be awesome, I think, to hear from the customer perspective how they're how they're using it and how it works for them and helps them. And, and we're excited to see how it expands in yeah, the future. Absolutely. Yep. I'll just have to find a customer who who's willing to talk about it. Being <laughs> in <the media> room. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot <laughs> or them for that matter. So, all right. Well, Don, Don Hamlin, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to further together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU, and on Instagram at ORAU Together.